Every gift, every good and perfect thing is from God. He is the source of all truth, beauty, and blessing wherever they are found. And when we really start to look through the lens of gratitude, we see these gifts everywhere, all the time. So, in this season of Advent, let us see, receive, and respond to the gifts of the season. The gifts Jesus still offers, light, joy, freedom, and peace. so nice to see all of you and what a lovely morning we have had together already the singing and the thoughts and the candles and I mean that was just expertly done this morning my goodness we are learning like every week these young people are learning from the mistakes of the young people before them and they're like I'm not doing that when I get up there like they're growing and learning along the way isn't that a joy to watch isn't that life right but this is, uh, it's great to be here. And as Chris said, we've been kind of building up to our Christmas Eve service, which is happening this week. And that's going to be so wonderful. And I, I hope you'll be able to join us, whether it's in person or online. And the reality is there is someone you know that right now is not sure what they're doing on Christmas Eve because it's just been that kind of year, right? And they could probably, you would be their friend. You would help them by sharing with them what we're doing here. And if you've had any experience with what we do on Christmas Eve together, it's always beautiful. It's always wonderful. So I hope not only you'll join us, but you'll think of someone that you can invite to be part of it as well, because it's going to be a great time. We have been in this series talking about the gifts of God through Jesus Christ. It's been a beautiful series. We've talked about joy, and we've talked about love, and did we talk about freedom too? I, we've talked about some wonderful things. And today we're going to kind of finish up that series by talking about peace, the gift of peace. Now before we dive into that, I think it's important for us to do the memory verse, which is just a scripture we've been doing week after week as a way to kind of start off, and it's a good thing to memorize and know. It is James chapter 1 Verse 17, let's, let's say it together. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. We're going to come back to that thought in a little bit, so don't lose track of this idea and this message of this verse and the idea of gifts that every good and perfect gift in our life comes from God. Now, we have also been in this series in the book of Isaiah. And we have been reading from the book of Isaiah in chapter 9. This is, this, these scriptures, these verses in Isaiah were written by the prophet Isaiah long before Jesus ever came. This was a prophecy about something that would come a long time in the future. So it's very interesting as we read these verses to think that Isaiah didn't know Jesus, had never heard the story of Jesus. 
He was writing this as a thing that would come in the future that God had shown him. Let's read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So you notice those terms, those words, it will happen. It's going to happen. This is what is inevitable, unstoppable. This is going to happen, count on it. And it, it did. It did. It happened. And I, as you probably notice, emphasizing those words, peace, that were a couple of times in there, because that's my, my topic today. That's what we're focused on. Now, when I think about peace, I think about babies sleeping when they're sleeping. Now, go ahead and put up a picture of this baby sleeping. Is that in there? Look at that. Look at that picture. There is nothing more peaceful than that picture of a smiling baby at peace. My goodness, so peaceful. And we have these two young people, Ryder and Huck, who last week we did this special event for. And every time I've talked to Katie over the past year, like I'm like, How, how's it going? And then she kind of tells me a little bit. And the next question I ask is, how are they sleeping? Like that's the most important question you can ask a mom of new babies, like, how are these babies sleeping? And she's always like, they're like miracle sleepers, which is like a gift. We talk about a gift today. That's an amazing gift. But if you have the opportunity to watch these guys at, at rest, sleeping, it is pretty amazing. Because you start to realize, like, they can sleep pretty much anywhere, anytime, wearing anything, anywhere. It kind of doesn't matter. If you've ever seen, like, I remember when we had our babies, you could have been like at a rock concert with wind and noise and getting bumped. And these babies, they just sleep. And they can sleep whatever clothes they're wearing, no clothes, lots of clothes. They don't need anything fancy. They don't need a comfortable bed. They don't go and pay thousands of dollars for expensive mattresses because they can't. They can sleep anywhere, anytime. If they're tired, this is the time. And they travel with their beds. I don't know if you have noticed this, but these are essentially portable beds they're traveling with today. I want them to invent an adult version of that so that I can go everywhere and be like, I'm here for the meeting and I have brought my bed so that I can just sleep and rest. But see, here's the problem. Here's the problem is that even if I brought that bed with me, I couldn't sleep. Like, I couldn't sleep like this, wearing these clothes. I need special clothes to sleep in, because I'm a grown-up. And I sleep not in these clothes, but in special grown-up clothes. So to be at peace in my sleep, I need special grown-up clothes that we call pajamas. Now, also I have realized when I sleep, 
I need a blanket. Judah, can you bring me that blanket? Now, I used to think that I needed a blanket because I would get cold in the night. Then I went on a few filming trips in the country of Haiti. And at, in Haiti, at night, it is like the surface of the sun at night. It doesn't matter. The sun goes down. It's still hot. And you sleep in these rooms that have very little ventilation because of the issues with mosquitoes and disease. So you are sleeping in this room with no ventilation, with a very small window, with a mosquito net over top of you. And it's very hot. So I said to myself, I don't need this blanket. I won't use it. Well, lo and behold, I realized I can't sleep without a blanket on me. Like, I'm used to sleeping. The pressure of it, like, makes me feel comfortable. I'm not like a baby that can just fall asleep in their little whatever stroller. I have to have a blanket on me to feel comfortable. So, if I was going to sleep, I would have to wear this blanket. Now, the other problem that I have is that I, now that I'm older, I'm more sensitive to light. So, like, when the sun comes up in the morning, I wake up. Or if Trisha, if I go to sleep before my wife Trisha and she comes into the room and she turns on a light, I wake up. So I realized that I needed to get a mask so that I could wear on my face that would block out all the light. And that allows me to sleep. Now, babies don't need to do this, but I have to do it. So for now, I'm going to put it right here. Now, here's the other problem, though, is that once we started having children in our house, I got real sensitive to sounds. So like if they made any noise through the baby monitor, I would wake up. Now I didn't used to do that. I used to sleep through anything. But once I had kids, not so much. So we realized in our house we needed to like have a noisemaker making noise. Or I can't sleep. I hear every sound. And it wakes me up. Now when I travel, I travel with this portable noisemaker on my phone that makes this noise. I play it full up because in hotels, you never know what sound you're going to hear. So I turn the volume on this noisemaker way, way up. And it plays just like this when I'm trying to sleep. And that allows me to sleep. Now, a few years ago, though, I went to the dentist. And the dentist told me by looking at my teeth that I had been grinding my teeth. And I was actually damaging my teeth. So she made me these mouth guards. And now I wear these mouth guards when I sleep at night. And while I'm wearing these mouth guards, I don't hurt my teeth as bad. Because I can't hurt them. See, like I grind them like this, and it doesn't hurt as much because I'm wearing the mouth guard. So I can't really sleep without them now. If I forget and I wake up in the morning, like my jaw hurts. My mouth kind of hurts, so I can't do it. Now, when I first got them, I couldn't talk like this. This is really skill that I have learned over time to be able to talk like this. Now, if I'm feeling really paranoid, though, depending on where I'm sleeping, I also have to wear my face mask, of course, because it's COVID now. So when I sleep these days, here's kind of how it looks if I was wearing this mask and then this mask, and then I'm kind of wrapped up in this blanket like this. It kind of looks like this. And this is what it takes for me to feel peaceful while I sleep. Now, this is the opposite of the way babies sleep. They don't sleep like this. But year after year, I have found 
that I keep having to add these things, one after another, to be able to sleep. And if I take one of them away, I just can't sleep anymore. Now you're saying, this is ridiculous. Why did we do this? Here, Judah, take this blanket back. But what we want, what we really want, is what we have right now. Stillness. Quiet. We want rest to feel like this. This is peace. This is how babies sleep. This is how they rest. The quiet. The quiet. Jesus came to bring peace. To bring peace. That sense of rest. And when we talk about Christmas, you can't talk about Christmas without talking about these passages, in, like in Luke, where in Luke chapter 2, these shepherds were out in a field watching their sheep, and these angels appear. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 13, it says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. On earth, peace. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about peace. I think the scriptures that talk about peace kind of fit into three categories. There's three kinds of peace we're talking about. When, and in the Bible, it's talking about when it talks about peace. The first one is peace with God. Peace with God. Having that sort of relationship with God. Let me share a couple of verses that speak to this directly. In Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Well, just, just verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is a theological type discussion when you start using words like reconciliation, right, and redemption. Those types of words, we understand the theological realities of those things that the Christian gospel is based on, that we make mistakes, we sin. We are not God. We are not perfect. And yet God sent his son to this earth to die. And within his death, we have the opportunity through faith to 
have our sins, our mistakes washed away, those of the past, those of the present, those that will come, and to be in relationship with God. You have heard that theology, right? That is kind of the foundation. It is the reason why every baseball game you go to, someone holds up a sign that says John 3.16, because John 3.16 is the most succinct verse we have for that. It says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This whole thing is like governments that sign a peace treaty together. Right? They sit down at the table, there's the documents, and they say, okay, we've done it. There is peace. There is an end to war. But here's the challenge for each of us individually, is even when the war is over, the people still often don't have peace together. After the war ends, there's still bad blood. There's still hatred on a personal, mental, emotional level, it may be decades before there's any real peace. I find that to be one of my challenges in my peace with God when it comes to this discussion of having peace with God. I can understand in my mind, logically, yeah, I've, I've been redeemed, I've been reconciled, I've gone through all of these things, I've been baptized, I'm a Christian. But in my heart, do I really feel at peace? with God? And what does that even mean anyway <laughs> to have peace with God? For me, it means looking at the world around me that God has created. He has the whole world in his hands, right? All of it, all these things out here and the circumstances of it and your place in it and asking yourself the question, am I at peace with this? Am I at peace with the world? Am I at peace with life? Or am I still kind of at war? Am I not happy with the way things are in the world? Do I wish it was different? Am I battling God about the way things are? Am I in my own little way like Job, sitting there, having gone through these difficulties and saying, I'm not okay with all this. I'm not sure where I am with this. Or am I at peace? Now, what's exciting when you are in a place of peace with God and with your life is that it inevitably needs, leads to the next kind of peace that we all need and that Jesus came to provide. It is peace with others. Peace with other people. And the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that that is a huge part of what Jesus came to accomplish as well. Not just a personal redemption, but a redemption for all of us together. Think about Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all you who were baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That was a huge part of the goal and the purpose of Jesus coming to bring unity to the world. Now you may be looking around saying, I'm not sure that that's the way Christians have been behaving most of the time. 
they seem to behave as though sometimes that their goal is to bring division into the world. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's not what Jesus has called us to do. That was not his intention. In fact, he was called to bring unity in a way that we couldn't alone by ourselves accomplish. Listen to these verses. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. For he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. One new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those of you who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father. Together, peace with God by one spirit. Verse 22, and in him, you too are being built together, built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Get an image of that in your mind, that what Jesus came to do was allow us to live in such a way that we could build our lives together. Together, not separate buildings, one building. And what would be the purpose of that building? It would be a place where the Spirit of God could dwell. That's just beautiful. <laughs> what a beautiful image of what humanity could be and what Jesus' heart and what his mission was all along to bring that kind of peace. And what would it look like for us to be ambassadors of that good news? To bring that good news to everyone. And to then be part, to be participants in creating that in the world together. And the question becomes, what is keeping us from that? Collectively and individually, what is keeping us from being able to accomplish that? together. And that brings me to the third concept, the third idea that very often is talked about in scripture of place where we need peace. And that is peace with yourself. Peace with yourself. Now this verse, we, we don't, we don't probably don't mention this verse as much as we should have. It is, we should, it's a profound verse in just a very few sentences. It is James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let's read just the first sentence first. What causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels among you? I can tell you that answer. James has his answer, but here's my answer. The world is filled with morons. That is the answer. The world is filled with morons. 
And if those people would just behave properly, we would have no more fights and no more quarrels. We would have peace. And the reason we don't have peace is because everyone else is a bonehead. That's not what James says. James says something quite different. Here's what he says. James chapter 4, verse 1, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Not the battles that are going on without you, outside of you, but the battles that are going on in here, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and your spirit. And when you are at battle with yourself, you show up in your confrontations and interactions with other people at war to begin with. You brought the war. They didn't bring the war to you. You brought the war. And so did they. And so when you show up, you can do nothing but be at war together. What is the solution? How do we end this war? Verse 2. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Hmm. You desire something, you want something. You do not have the something you desire. So what do you do? You attack with the idea that you can get it, take it from someone else. They owe you peace. They owe you joy. They owe you freedom. They owe you love. They have it. I will take it. I will kill you if I have to. That's extreme, but emotionally, mentally, sometimes we do it. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Hmm. The problem is not that someone else has what you need and they won't give it to you. And so you have to fight to take it, whatever it is you want. It could be a physical thing. It could be emotional. That's our default to think that. But the reality of why we actually don't have it is because we couldn't ask the source of it to begin with. Because we didn't ask the one that was the only one that could ever truly provide it anyway. You do not have because you do not ask God. <laughs> and that, for me, is a little condemning. I don't like sitting with that. I like feeling, I'm much more comfortable with the idea that I don't have peace because of a politician or because of my neighbor or because of my wife or because of my crazy children or because of my boss or because of whatever is going on in the world because of a virus, because of anything that is going on, I cannot have peace that I deserve because of all these knuckleheads out there and yet, that's not the answer. It has actually never been the answer. The answer was asking God. 
Now, what does it look like to ask God? Now, of course, we know the obvious answer is to pray. To pray. To stop and to say, God, call out your name. I need your help. And that is powerful. That is powerful. That can change your mentality. That can change your life. In fact, many days I believe that prayer is less about what I'm asking God to do for me and more about the posture of my heart, of of humility, and of being willing and open to ask for help. However, I think there's also a mentality that when we talk about asking for God, it's also another sort of mindset that I want to talk about for a second. So it's Christmas time. And... um, It has been a long time thing in my family, and probably yours too, for my children to say to me and to my wife, what am I getting for Christmas? That's not new. All children want to know what they're going to get for Christmas. Well, my son Judah, who tomorrow will be 16 years old, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And you will be nine tomorrow. You guys have the same birthday. I forgot that. Uh, You know, he still at the nearly age of 16, asks me, well, what am I getting for Christmas this year? So this year, this past week, I relented. And I said, Judy, you want to know what I'm getting you for Christmas? I'll tell you. You are getting this Christmas a lifetime supply of salt. That's it. That's your Christmas present this year. A lifetime supply of salt. And he looked at me and he said, really? And I said, yeah, yeah, because look, You use salt pretty much every day. Like that's part of your life. Salt is an important part of your life. Everything you eat has a little bit of salt in it. So I figure that what best gift I can do as your dad is to give you a lifetime supply of it so that now you never have to buy it anymore. This will be a weight off your shoulders for the rest of your life. You have salt forever. Now, it's a lot of salt. So you'll have to find a place in your room to put it. Like, it's going to kind of fill up your room. And when you move, every time you move, one day when you move out of this house, you'll have to take it with you. So you'll have to carry this lifetime supply of salt because it's a lot of salt. You're going to live for another 80 years. So this is going to be a good bit of salt. Now, you know, I don't know how your future wife will feel about this, but it's now yours to carry. So she'll have to carry it too. You both can carry the salt around for the rest of your life. And after we went through all of this discussion, he's like, what? This is a terrible gift. And I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, because actually for your birthday, we also got you a lifetime supply of toothpaste. (laughs) Now, this is ridiculous, of course. And we did not get our son a lifetime supply of salt. That was a joke. However, you do realize the ridiculousness of the idea of living that way. You think about all the things that you need in your life day to day. And we go to the grocery store, and at max, what do you get? A week's worth or so? If you like the grocery store, maybe you only get a day's worth, and you go each day. My mom does that. So you go to the grocery store like every day to get what you need, or you go once a week. But you don't go to Costco and say, I wonder how much toilet paper I'll need for the rest of my life. I think I'll buy it right now. Well, this year you do. But outside of this year, you don't go and do that. You don't buy a lifetime supply of paper towels. You don't buy a lifetime supply of beef. You don't buy a lifetime supply of any of those things. You buy what you need, 
and then you get what you need later. In Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, which is for people that are struggling with substance abuse problems, they talk about living one day, one moment at a time. Because for someone who's struggling with any type of addiction, if you say, I'm going to think right now about what I will have to do, the resilience I will need to have to say no to a drink of alcohol for the rest of my life, for every day that is to come. If you try to carry that weight, you will go and start drinking right now. Because that weight is more than you can carry. It is more than you can carry. So what do you do instead? It is one day, one moment at a time. Just this one. I can get through this one. And if I can get through this one, then I'll deal with the next one when it comes. That's all kinds of Jesus in that. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Just focus on today. Do not be anxious for what you will eat or drink. Just focus on right now. Don't worry about what's to come. You do not need a lifetime supply of salt or toothpaste. You already know that day-to-day is enough. But when it comes to a lot of other things in my life, I sure don't feel that way. I feel like if I don't have security for some of these big important things that I can see the future and be able to know what is going on, that I can't feel settled, that I have to feel, I, don't, I can't feel at peace. I can't relax. And so what do we do with our lives? How do we build our lives? Well, we say, I can't be at peace without this being settled. So I'll put on this blanket. I can't be at peace without this thing settled and completely secure and squirt away. So I'll put on this mask. I'm feeling a lot of tension and friction about this. We have to square this away or I can't have peace. So we put on these bike guards. And I can't feel at peace unless this is 100% certain in my life, unless I feel complete clarity about this. So we start the noisemaker. And what we have done is build a life where we're like surrounded by this armor, covered up as ridiculous as I was a few minutes ago, when what God is inviting us to is to let go of all of that silliness. Just be still. Just be still. To surrender. Just surrender to let go of all of it. We have been trained to think that the solutions to our problems are to add more things, to get more. If we are lacking, it must mean we don't have enough. We need to add a new thing, build a stronger castle. But in fact, what Jesus is calling us to do to bring that place of peace not only into our own lives, but into the lives of others to let it all go and surrender and to live emotionally, mentally, nakedly in this moment right here because this is all there is anyway and as horrifically ridiculous as this past year has been for you 
And as bad and as many difficulties as you have gone through this year, and you could name them, as we sit here in this last Sunday that we will be together, gathered in this place, you could go through the past year, just this year alone, and list off all the craziness that has happened to you in your life and all of the challenges, and yet you are still standing. You are still here. You survived 2020. Not because of your grand plans. Because your grand plans all went in the trash. So did mine. They were all a disaster. You got through 2020 because minute to minute, day to day, God was with you. God was with you. Spirit of God walked with you. You can now look back in retrospect and see that to be true. That all of the peace you needed, moment to moment, it was there. It was there. And you sitting here right now is the proof that that was true. It's easier to do it about the past. But can you do it about next year? Can you bring that sense of peace to 2021? If you survived 2020 with the power of the Spirit of God working in your life, you can survive 2021. God was with you then. He will be with you again. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a gift that is. Not of you, but of God, of knowing that his mercies are new every morning, as it says in the book of Lamentations. And I want to read, as we, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to read from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, which shares these amazing fruits of the Spirit that we often talk about. It says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, think about the things we've been talking about this month. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me tell you this. I know this with certainty. The fruit of Brett is not any of those things. It's not any of those things. And I can put your name on that too. As wonderful as you are, as much as I love you and think you're fabulous. The fruit of you is not this stuff. Who is it the fruit of? Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of God. All great gifts are God. They're not of you. So if you've been putting pressure on yourself to figure it out, I would invite you to surrender. Your quest for peace in your life? Give up. Give up. Give up that battle. Drop all the noisemakers and the face masks and the 
teeth grinding thingies and all of that and instead surrender it to God and invite him to bring you peace. Let's read this verse again. As the band comes up, let's read this verse again together from the book of James that we have been reading at the start of each one of these things. Let's, let's read it again from James chapter 1, verse 17, and I would invite you to read it with me. Let's say it together. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Let's pray. God, we invite your peace into our lives. We invite your peace into this world, into the hearts and spirits of every single person on this planet. So many of us are not feeling peaceful. We are feeling unsettled. We are feeling anxious and concerned and worried and nervous. We are feeling, we are struggling with the things that have happened in the past. We're struggling with things that are ahead. We ask you to settle upon us that your spirit would comfort us and bless us, that your spirit would allow us to be at peace. We know that all good gifts are of you and that each day you provide us everything we need. Help us to live in that sense of peace, of joy, of love, and of freedom, acknowledging that you are the source of it and it is through Jesus that we have access to it. And it is in his name we pray. 